Welcome to Season 2 from A Lancashire Lass with me, Lucy Baxter. Joining me today is Jack Lowe from Northwest Drones Photography. We're going to be chatting all about what Jack does and what his business is. But first, welcome to the podcast, Jack. How are you doing today? Not too bad, thank you very much. Yourself? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. So from your Instagram, I can see that you're so busy. You're here, there and everywhere. Um, thanks for giving up your time. How did the business start then? It started as a bit of a hobby. Um, a good couple of years back, I started with a farm from Preston, um, just doing it as a one-off. And then it sort of took off more and more. So a few farms got in touch and wanted to try out different things. Um, and then... After I'd done a couple of bits with that, um, I spoke with uh, Tom Pemberton and did a couple of bits with Tom uh, just to see whether it was sort of like what he would run with for his uh, for the drone shots and stuff like that. And then after that, I thought there's an, op- there's an opportunity to put it through YouTube and sort of put more of a spotlight on farms in Lancashire and what they actually do. Um, so it all started looking more to put a spotlight on farms, how we produce stuff up here, the different bits of machinery that they use and so on and so forth. So that's sort of how it got going, really. And so drones are, you know, 10, 15 years ago. I don't know if they were around. So how <clears throat> how long have you been like, is it driving a drone? And what's like, you'll, do you need a license for it? What's kind of the training for that? Yeah, so it only started recently where it got more strict on flying. So um, you couldn't go within 50 metres on the licence that I've got of a certain area without having people around you aware of what's going on. Um, but then I did a like a, a base certification that is to show that you're competent in being able to fly a drone and do what you do not being dangerous to other people around you and then it brings the the original distance down from 150 to 50 meters so as long as you're people that you're working with and doing stuff with such as the farms so it's never a problem in the fields because they know is you're away from areas that are built up you don't have that issue um so it's not too bad um starting out with the drone it was like it was a fairly big outlay when i did it originally um and a bit of a gamble to see whether it actually would take off. Um, so I ran with that for about the past two years. And then there's a new one that's come out this last year, which I took the gamble on buying because it ups the quality level. So it took it from doing standard 1080p videos all the way up to doing 4K. What is so 4K? Just me... I hear that a lot. Um, it, to a point, is you can say it's about four times the quality of what you get out of doing 1080p. Um, so you get a lot more pixels in a picture for instance per shot so you'll see more detail so if you were to then zoom in it doesn't really compromise the quality as such um you get a lot better improved quality of photography and video out of it so how does it work how easy is it to fly a drone and obviously you're kind of thinking of the end result of putting these videos together of stuff so how does how does that work what's the process like in your head um i've had a few people say this to me of like how do you do it how do you like pull it together in your head and work out what you do and to a point i would start off with a song 
of there's like a, a a pool of songs that I use which are no copyright, so mm-hmm. I can use them use them wherever, and you don't have issues as long as you leave the credit to the um to the author of it. Once you've done that, you can then work out whether you go a fast-paced song for something that's more, uh, say like you're doing silage or maze or something like that, something that's a bit more upbeat, more going on with it, uh, people watching stuff and so on. Or you go for something more laid back, which would be like um, plowing, drilling, and so on and so forth. So you you start with a song and then you might, you'd pick out a video out of the pool that I've got to do. Um, so from being at the start of the year so far, it got really busy. So I think I had like a three or four week period where I was out most of the time. And I ended up with about 50 videos I need to edit and go through. So now while I've been on like slightly lesser time of year where it's a bit more downtime, gives me the opportunity then to like crack on and start editing through the videos. So how do you edit them? Like what software do you use? And what's kind of like the length of video that you think does quite well on YouTube? So I use DaVinci Resolve for doing the editing and it was a bit, well, there's a a few that I used at the time, but I found DaVinci to be quite good. Um, Just a a nice, easy platform where you can see all your clips on the left-hand side. You've got your image on the right that you're running with and editing. And then it allows me to just play back with this quality of the video that I want to see. So you can see what the end viewer is going to see. And I suppose it's what people are brought up on to an extent, because if you're using a Mac and using iMovies for doing editing and stuff, you'd be used to that. And it's it'd be quite hard to train somebody to swap from one piece of software to another. Um, so I started off on DaVinci and then I sort of stayed with it. Mm-hmm. So I found it to be quite a good piece of software. Um, and then only recently I bought a GoPro to try out a few different things. So I was only out last night trying out a few different bits. Uh, got back from Ireland at six o'clock and literally half an hour later, I went out with one of the guys near me to try out a few different bits. Um, downside is, is that I have hay fever. So being on the side of the chopper. Hard for you. Yeah. Normally I'm sat in the car with the air conditioning going, it's not too bad. But when I was doing that, I was moving around, moving the camera around different places, trying to get different shots to try it and see what the video would actually come out like. Because when you mentioned like the, the time and the length of the videos, if you're putting out, so a rough rule of thumb is you, you'd be aiming between, say, four to ten minutes on a length of video. Some of the ones that I do are less. So you have to put out more content to reach the hours that need to be watched within YouTube to qualify for like monetization on a channel if you were going to do it. Mm-hmm. So it's a case of you need to increase the length of the footage and the videos to meet the criteria. Or otherwise, you'd have to be putting out a video, say, three videos a week. At two to three minutes in length so it's a bit of a balancing act of not running out of footage in the lower time of year when nothing's going on or no one can get onto a field and do anything um to now where you flat out and making sure that you're not editing a video and then missing what's going on so that you can actually catch up with some of the farms so do you sit like when you're flying it are you sitting in your car kind of so rule of how does that work well rule of thumb is you're not allowed to fly the drone without having line of sight of it. So legally, you have to be able to see it at all times that you're flying it. So as long as I've got the car in a spot where I can see where I'm flying or the reverse of it, so I just sit on the tailgate at the back and I can then keep my eyes on what's going on 
and make sure that everything's line of sight because you've got to be able to see if anything flies into the area, such as um, a helicopter, air ambulance, something like that. You've got to be able to move it out of the way, get out of the way of them and um, just fly, fly safely, basically. Doing stuff with the farms, most of it, I don't go above tree height as a, as a rough rule of thumb. So you're talking 40 to 50 foot, maybe 60 foot. Sometimes I'm no more than that. It's only when you come up to some of sort of the ending shots or if you wanted to pan round, you'd go up to 120 metres in height, which is the maximum legal limit. And then you could pan all the way around, which basically would show you the entire field size. Um, and gives people a perspective. How still do you have to be? Like, I can imagine at the start when you're learning to fly a drone, is it, it kind of moves and it's quite shaky. Like, you'll need a really crystal clear sort of not shaky video. How how easy is it to get that? So the original controller that comes with the drone, I'm never a huge fan of because say you're up and down and you're left and right axis, within the controller, it's quite grabby. So you would pan round from left to right and then it would grab a lug and that it would pull the stick round, which means your shots would be quite jerky and jumpy, which is what I don't want to do. So DJI do sell a smart controller, which is what I've run with every single one now. So for my previous one, I bought one. And for this one, I've bought the new one that comes with it. It's a bit more of an expense, but it gives you the ability to slow down the controller movements and smooth everything out. So there's no lugs in it. It's just a nice um, smooth pull all the way around. Now, the other thing that I get a benefit from doing this is you can dial the settings back within the controllers. So for instance, if you're wanting to be quite quick in movement, you can up the speed, which means the drone will turn on a sixpence. So it'll do like a full 360 within two seconds. Yeah. Where if you dial the settings back, you could get it where it's basically slow panning so that everything's super slow in its movement. You don't end up with any jerky footage. And that's one thing I never like putting out is anything where it's either jumping, jerky, or it's got a shadow in it. Because I just think it takes away from the professional side of it that I try to achieve with the footage. So you've done so many machinery and like tractor videos from people I know. Um, where did this interest come from in like farming and and wanting to kind? It's quite, you know, it's quite a niche, a niche area. Yeah. But like, you've got to be honest. Every every young farmer, every contractor w wants to kind of show off the, the stuff. So it's like a really clever market because there's enough of them and they love showing it off. But like, how did you get into that kind of industry? So. When I was young, um, my mum and dad used to be in the agricultural industry. Mum used to work for some farms in Morsley. Um, my dad used to do the odd bit now and again. So I sort of had an interest from a young age. And then beyond that, like the whole the way I got hay fever, I was stood on um, a gate watching a combine when I was about seven years old, seven or eight. And the combine spun around in front of me and I got hay fever pretty much off the dust that went straight in my face at that point. And... From then on, I always struggled with it, um, but I always had an interest in it, whether it be machinery or just the agricultural side of it and the processes that they do. What are the farmers like or your contractors, you know, when you when are they a bit shy at first? Do you tell them, like, drive this way, drive that way? Or do, they, do you just go, like, get on with it? What, what, what's that? No. Like? So for me, the rule of thumb is I don't want to impede them in doing what they do, because as soon as I start doing that, it sort of becomes a pain in the backside for them doing the job that they want to do on a daily basis. The whole point for me is that I can 
come in in the background, film what I f- want to film, not be a hindrance and then disappear. So you're never a problem for them. They can always crack on and do what they need to do. Um, and at the same time, you pick out the shots that you want. So you've got to be like, you'll look at it from an outside perspective of you try and watch out for the sun so you don't get the shadows going on the back of the shots and stuff like that. And then in your head, you sort of piece a story together. So you'll start off with arriving at the field, unfolding. If you can do all this, if you've not arrived before, they've already got going, of course. And then you would get the whole thing of the guys going, a little bit of exiting. Say if they were going to the clamp, for instance, or filling up, you'd put that in. Um, And there's one that I've done with uh, Bailey's. Now, I've not put that one up yet. I think I'm going to put it up mid... Well, it would be next week sometime or the week after. And I think that's probably one of the best ones that I've done. But I took the gamble on buying an audio track for it. So for the most part, I don't I don't buy any audio to go on the videos because you don't make any money back from it. And it's an expense in driving out with the fuel, uh, like the cost of fuel to drive to places. Um, so you would, I took a gamble in purchasing, it was more of like a mainstream track to go over the song. Uh, to go with the video with the song so I just want to see what that turns out like first before I start doing anything more with it yeah so what's your favorite tractor or machine or time of time of year to to film it's a mix I mean I suppose you you can't be grass cutting because of the smell that you get from it so when you're out and uh, chopping grass and all the stuff's going on around it it's that time of year where it's that when you've got a freshly cut freshly mown lawn you always get that fresh grass cut smell um, I think that was probably one of the best times of year to go with. And do they get in contact with you or do, they, or do you kind of, how does it work with, with that then? It tends to be a mix. So some of the lads will let us know when they've got stuff going on, um, which is always good. It keeps me up to date because my day-to-day job is doing IT. So mm-hmm. for knowing when this stuff's going on outside of my own job, is a bit difficult and I rely on the guys letting me know, me know when they have stuff going on to then be able to um, make the most of my time outside of work and plan around it because without them letting me know I'm pretty much stuffed to a point on knowing what's going on because some of them will be in Lancaster so it's a hell of a way to drive to then not see anything or not doing anything especially with the fuel prices at the moment going through the roof um, because I started, when I started doing this, I had a mini. So that was always a problem on limitations of where I could actually go. And then I ordered the pickup truck uh, at the start of last year. And now I've had that ever since. But then it's typical that the price of fuel went through the roof um, and bites you in the backside for doing that. But no, it's a lot of them let me know. And then some of them you pick up on social media. And then I have had quite a few get in touch now and say, I've seen you do X, Y, and Z with Neighbours Farm or someone who is quite close to them. And then you'll find yourself venturing further afield to go and meet up with other farms. Um, And that sort of expands. And then it was more of a business opportunity where it wasn't always stuck within farming because I have had other companies come up to me and ask for doing photography and videos with other sections of businesses that they have. Um, so although the agricultural side is the main thing that I do with the YouTube side, I still do the other side of things where you work with third parties. The company that I work for did some, um, with, with it being um, focused around the energy industry and stuff like that, we did 
um, like wind turbines, solar, that side of things, looking at um, renewables. So it was all focused around the energy side of the business. So how do you manage, like, I guess, a full-time job in IT? And then I guess it helps that, like, contractors and that work till unearthly hours. But how do you yeah. kind of have time to do it all because it's from from social media and like youtube it's really successful and it's doing really really well and the videos are really good so how do you have time um it's it's not too bad if like the day-to-day job you'll say finish at say five or five something around that and then it frees me up in the evenings then to be able to do other sides of it um gives me the opportunity to go out after work so you're not always working from home now it's sort of change from everybody used to be in an office and everyone used to talk to each other and you'd be mixing with other people where everyone weren't working from home and it sort of took away from the fact that you're mixing with people being social and stuff like that so it's a good thing for me to get outside the house quite big for mental health I suppose um that's one big thing that I did when I started doing it um because I went through quite a rough patch when I started on it and it was good for me to be able to get outside the house go do stuff with the drone and then just a bit of fresh air, basically. It, it helps with, uh, like, well-being. And so, like, say for a drone, like, what are we talking for a cost of one of those things? Like, what what is it so, going to cost people? When I started, I had a DJI Mavic 2, which, if I remember rightly, it was around 800 quid that I paid for it at that time. Okay. Now... The price has gone up dramatically for the new stuff, especially with shortages driving everything up. So they've it's an opportunity to increase the price. But so I've got a, a Mavic 3 Pro now, um, which is about two and a half thousand. Ooh. And then you'll end up buying extra batteries because the, the, the new batteries last 45 minutes. But if you're out on a day like this, you'd end up running say five, six batteries and you'll get 45 minutes of battery. So I could usually do a video of one farm doing one uh, task on half a video, depending on what the task is, or say if it was silage or something like that, you do it on a full battery. And that gives me enough to be able to get the shots. So I keep a few spur, and then I also have a car charger that runs off the internals of the car. So once you've done a set, then you could get the next one's charging, and then you're on to the next one. Is it just farms in Lancashire you do, or have you been further afield? Is your name kind of getting out there to go further than the northwest? No, not really. It's, I've mixed up with, so I've done a little bit with Ollie Harrison, um, and then the furthest I've been up north would be around Lancaster Way. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing has gone too much further afield than that. We had Ollie on the podcast at the start of the year talking about sort of his YouTube and what he does. Um, yeah. So I, I presume, though, that these farmers will pay you for this. That's kind of how you're making a bit of money in this until YouTube starts paying? Or what's kind of that? So it's, it's a mix. Certain things I charge for, depending on the task that I'm doing. But for the most part, with the agricultural side of it, I don't charge the farmers. Um, because for me, it started off as wanting to show what the farms have got going on and what they do. Um, the end goal would be, if YouTube did pay, it'd be nice to cover the cost of fuel. Yeah. I never, never, started, never started out with it to 
make loads of money from it. It was always a bit of a hobby and to showcase what they have going on over uh, in Lancashire and what we end up doing. Um, I have had farms uh, that have said, like, can you do this event and that event? And that's when I would charge for doing certain events because um, you'd spend, say, three days at an event and then you'd end up losing your the entire weekend outside of work. So for that, it's not too bad. Um, I don't charge the earth for doing it because you see some of the costs and fair enough, people do it as a full-time job, which is, I understand that. Uh, that's around, say some people charge a thousand pounds a day where for doing some of the stuff with the farms, you, depending on what it was, some things would run around 250 quid for doing it over say like two or three days and that yeah. like start to factoring fuel costs and stuff like that. Because at the end of the day, I'm not there to make massive amounts of money out of it. It's there to show yeah. what the farmers have got going on and help them with stuff if they need to broadcast what they have going on as a business. So if you kind of obviously, like I saw one and it was, I think they were tanking or something. And you obviously, like you said, you want to get there at the start when they turn up at the field and then kind of the kind of journey they're on. Yeah. But you won't stay for it all. So do you, would you sort of, come back later when they're leaving the field or roughly how long do you think you're there on the farm when it's happening? So based on a tanker load and doing that sort of situation, um, I'd probably stay for say two or three tanker loads um, just to get all the shots that you want to pull out of it. And then on the final one, you'd sort of either, you would pan out to show where they've got up to in the field or you could show them going out the field depending on what stage you caught up with them in the field. So it's, it's all based around if I've got more stuff going on, then you would cut it slightly shorter. Um, but if you've not got too much going on around it, you could stay a bit longer and do other sorts of shots. So have you always been interested in like filming things like when you were little and, and I don't know, like what got you into like wanting a drone in the first place? Um, it was a bit of a toy at the, at the first when I had the opportunity to purchase it. I thought I'll give it a go and see what it's like. And then, we tried out a few different things, um, me and a mate of mine. So you'd go up Rivy, try some different shots up Rivy, and then you find yourself doing more, uh, more and more bits around the lakes. Now I thought it was more of like an opportunity to do something with it. Um, so I did purchase, it's, it's not a racing drone, it's um, an FPV. So it's double the speed of what I fly normally, but you fly it from inside a set of goggles. So if you're not used to it, it could throw your balance. So you're better off being sat down with it um what do, you mean? Of, uh, what do you mean with a set of goggles explain that that's so cool so when it's an fpv drone it's first person view so you're you would sit down and you it, it flies like a bird for a point so for the normal drone that i fly it's level and then when the drone banks the image still stays level because it's on a gimbal mm -hmm. where an fpv there's no gimbal in it there's up and down but the actual rotation of the drone so when you bank left or right shows us flying like a bird so you would bank with it like a plane for instance um you don't keep a level horizon so that gives a different perspective on it but i've never pushed that too much to actually try doing that on some videos because you end up i mean you find yourself carrying one set of drone uh, two sets of drones around charging up i don't know how many batteries and it was a bit of a toy so i have contemplated doing more with it but i've not done anything that as of yet too much with that so what's the plan for the future? Are you wanting this to, like you said, like make money and become like a full-time thing? Or what's kind of like you, you go? A few people have mentioned whether I was to 
sort of change it around a little bit. So you could either introduce audio over the top of it and talk and introduce the videos, which is something that I have considered, but I don't know whether it would change the formula that works. Um, and then the other thing was um, adding in the GoPro. So that obviously gives a different perspective and different views. But then you also have other people that do the same similar sort of content. So you'd have grassmen over in Ireland um, and they're doing something similar if I was to start interviewing people and talking to people while they're doing stuff. And again, I didn't know whether that would become like samey, so to speak. So you'd be talking and doing a similar sort of thing and you couldn't do that with every farm all the time. So then you would have to branch out and go further afield to be able to keep it interesting, keep it current and so on. Yeah. I know it sounds really interesting, like really niche, like you said, and like I've seen people on their Instagram stories, like Bailey's and people who've put them on, who've like really like pleased with them. So yeah, well, I just want to thank you for coming on the podcast today. I know like you're very busy. Um, so thanks for joining me. No, no worries. It's not a problem. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week. To keep up to date with all things from a Lancashire Lass, follow on Facebook and Instagram at from a Lancashire Lass.